Are you ready for the end of the world? <laughs> the end is near. <laughs> Hopefully not. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. I forgot to wake up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you... I've only been doing this promo <laughs> for like 11 years. Yeah. You'd think by now I'd have it memorized. <laughs> Wake up! Well, you're supposed to wake up at the end. <laughs> but I guess if you're forgetting it, you got to wake up <laughs> sooner. And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And let's bring you some news in the enviro-social sphere, otherwise known as Earth. Yes, I've heard of that place, Earth. It's a pretty nice place. Third rock from the sun. Uh, if you don't like it, don't take care of it, I guess you can leave. Yeah, that old say, love it or leave it. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet. So there's a couple organizations that decided to really take good care of the planet, and they've been working together um, a lot to the point where they decided, well, we work together so much, why don't we just merge? <laughs> Yeah, see, I like this. Uh, 350.org and One Sky merge into one massive climate movement. Uh, these are two of the biggest mass movements around climate change, One Sky and 350.org, both of which we've mentioned at some point here on the show. Uh, they're joining into one. They'll now operate under the 350 banner, putting forward a unified message to combat what they see as the most sustained assault on the environment ever. And um, if you actually remember, we did talk about 350.org. They were the ones that really pushed to get the solar on the White House. Yeah. They actually did a nationwide tour, go to the White House, and the White House was like, nah. And they're like, no, that's okay, we're good. <laughs> and then there was such a media backlash after that that, you know, two, two weeks later, they were like, oh, okay, we'll put solar on. Yeah. So <laughs> that was pretty interesting. But 350 is a pivotal number. Basically, the... All the scientists have said that we really have to have 350 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere to make it so that our weather, you know, stays steady. Yeah, once the carbon dioxide gets above that... It what do you mean us, once? It's, well, I mean, it is above that now. Yeah, it's, once it stays above that, then climate starts shifting dramatically in, in uh, well, difficult ways. They <laughs> really honestly don't know what it's going to do because, you know, science is based on facts... And the simple facts are that it's never been over 300 parts per million. Yeah. So they can extrapolate, you know, and guess what's going to happen. Yeah, in all of recorded history before, it hasn't been this way. So, right. So we're basically, we're doing a big science experiment. Oh, let's, let's, let's pump a bunch of CO2 in the atmosphere and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those uh, ill-advised uh, science experiments without a control group. <laughs> yeah, well, an uncontrolled group. Yeah. <laughs> An uncontrolled group. So if you'd want more information, of course, it's the number, just 350.org. So you yeah. don't have to spell it out, nothing. It's an actual just number. So 350. Yeah, 350. I have a question for you. Do you think some pesticides should be banned to protect bees? <laughs> I mean, bees are what pollinates our you know, our fruits and our vegetables and makes it so... Imagine if we actually had to go and get, like, the pollen from, like, corn tassel and go pollinate another corn tassel so we could have corn. <laughs> yeah. 
That would be a labor-intensive process. Yeah. I mean, and what's happening is we're having putting so much pesticides out there that, well, according to this USDA scientist, it's actually causing uh, colony collapse disorder. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Where yeah. literally whole colonies of bees just literally die. Yeah. And they're like, we have no idea. Yeah, they've been struggling to figure out, but this... Uh, uh, this st- study from the USDA bee researcher uh, has indicated that th- uh, the ne- uh, neonicotinoid pesticides... <laughs> Basically, if you can't pronounce it, I think it's Neonicotinoid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is one of the top USDA bee researchers. Now, he's you know trying to distance himself away from the, the ban... You know, people are trying to ban this certain pesticide. Yeah. And he's trying to distance himself away from that, although his research does implicate, implicate, you know, this company and this pollutant. I guess, you know, it's a pesticide, uh-huh. but, you know, otherwise yeah. known as a pollutant. So you have to actually dig into his testimony to actually see how strong of a case he makes for the ban. Yeah, but, you know, if you actually try to talk to him in person, he's like, no, 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 I'm not trying to ban the... <laughs> well, well, like, you know, like a lot of scientists, he's probably trying to s- stay out of the uh, political arena and say, I'm not necessarily saying you should do a certain policy, but the science says that this might be what's killing all of the bees. <laughs> 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 you, you, you can draw your own political science conclusions from that statement. <laughs> all right. One question out of the way. How about this question? Is coming out as child-free like coming out as gay? <laughs> I, d- I know a lot of people who are, you know, child-free, and I think plan to be that way, but they haven't come out of the closet. <laughs> you know, they haven't actually said, you know, we don't want to have children because... But I th- there is a very large movement of people who aren't, planning to have kids yeah i think there's a social stigma against uh being child free i don't know if it's quite the same category though <laughs> since since well i guess well, do you know anybody who's c- told you that they're child free oh yeah i do oh okay <laughs> yeah but i, I suppose I don't, I'm, I don't know anybody i'm in i'm in a different i'm in a, a subculture that's probably more uh allowed <laughs> to say that yeah i i actually can think of nobody that has told me that they don't plan to have children yeah, no, I can think of a couple people. Wow, okay. <laughs> and uh, but it is it is something that's seen with a great social stigma, you know. Uh, it, it's you culture- do not plan to, you know. <laughs> yeah, what do you pass not- on your genes? <laughs> yeah, you got to pass. It's uh, it's sometimes either you know you got to pass on your genes, or I want grandkids, you know, from the the parents. Or you know you plan to kill all of humanity. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you want humanity to die off, and then well, sometimes they'll answer, "Oh yes, I do." <laughs> <laughs> the the misanthropic answer. Uh, I mean, there is actually um, in okay in Italy. You think of Italy as a very um, manly. I don't know what um, virtue. Virtuous. I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but uh, viral. Viral. <laughs> you know. You know. Very sexual country. But the the Italy. Not is, the stereotype. Well, um, Italy is actually offering. I, I forget the number now. It was like three or four thousand dollars for someone to have a kid in Italy now, because huh. literally their population is collapsing. Yeah. Because the young people. Part of it is jobs that the young people don't have 
places to set up a new home. They still live at home with their parents or, you know, they don't really, ha- aren't ready to set up, you know, housekeeping yeah. per se. Um, but yeah, the, the death rate is way higher than the birth rate. Huh. And so the, yeah. the country is... Yeah, some, some countries, have one factor that does influence that too is uh, education levels because, uh, I mean, number one, that ensures that everybody knows uh, where babies come from. <laughs> and number two, if you have people a... People don't know? <laughs> some people don't know. Oh, really? Or they don't really think about it. it just you know. magically appears. They, the, the stork brings them. Uh, but then, you know, other, another factor that influences it too is if you have a high education level, you might have a lot of people who already have a, like a professional mindset. Like, I've got my job I'm going to work. I'm going to work you know, through my 20s, through my 30s on this career that I'm building. Right. And then that's, and oh, that's I don't their need baby. Kids. That's yeah, that's their, their baby. So then you, you do sometimes get a negative population growth. Uh, well, you know, a population decline. But but doesn't it seem to have to do with, um, what do you call it, not, not just demographics, but literally how, not just education, but literally how much money people have. Yeah, that seems like it too. It really seems like the poorer you are, the more you want to have someone. I mean, it happens in nature that, you know, um, I guess the idea is the poorer you are, the more you want to make sure there's people around to work together as a family unit. Yeah. You know, you want to have a larger family unit and you can work together to survive. Yeah, yeah, a mutually supportive tribe. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. So, but I think that I think that same thing is happening, but um, not by having kids, that people are having mutually supportive tribes. Yeah, they're just connecting with, well, like kin. There's the idea of kin versus blood relationship. Kin is like a social idea. You might not have blood relations, but if you... You know, you've been close friends for a long time. You can see each other as family. Uh, I think the extended family has extended further out, but got closer. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's really happened, you know, Um, at least in the Western culture. You know, so. All right. We've talked a little about race and class and demographics of not having kids. Mm -hmm. How about cycling, as in bicycling? The image most people have in their mind is white yuppies, you know? <laughs> yeah. That literally, I mean, when I think of a biking culture, I think of Amsterdam. I mean, really, if you don't have a bicycle there, you have a really hard time getting around. That's just standard mode of transportation. Yeah, yeah, because the, in, in, except on the main, really big main streets and even there, but the pedestrian really does have the right of way. <laughs> You know, the cars slow down and stop because the pedestrians are going in front of them. <laughs> yeah. So a bicycle can actually get you places faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that's the truth in most, you know, smaller towns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can get across town on a bicycle a lot faster, I mean, than you can with the car. It's just when you're doing longer distance, maybe your car is better. But um, so when we think of a bike culture, people who do it, I guess, on purpose... But there are millions of people around the world that do bicycles because, well, they can't afford a car. Yeah. They, they, it is their only mode of transportation. And it's not that they decide to do it. It's their only choice. Yeah. And so I think that's where it differentiates. Once we usually think of white yuppies as a bicycle culture, that's people who have decided to do bicycles instead of, you know, the more convenient mode of transportation versus 
you know, the other side of the picture where the majority of the world uses bicycles because it is the the cheaper and the better mode of transportation and more readily accessible. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and I think that should that should also start shaping our ideas of uh, the importance of uh, designing our cities to be bike friendly. You know, if we think of it as this, you know, this this luxury that oh, there's a there's a few people out there who they they choose to ride bikes because they think it's more fun, you know, then <coughs> excuse me, then it seems like a low priority. Like oh, we don't really need to design our cities around that. It's just a couple of freaks, you know. <laughs> why why they why do we need to cater to them? Well, I but mean, if you realize yeah. that a lot of people, it's their, you know, it's their primary mode of transportation it's how they can get somewhere faster than walking <laughs> well a third of low-income americans that is their transportation yeah and when I mean, you think of it that way you start to realize well we, why, why aren't we designing our cities to accommodate bikes you know if we've got you know if we've got one third of our bike trips are you know low-income americans you know that's that's a lot that's a lot of people out there riding their bikes as their means of survival yeah well i mean th- in a, in the city, you're you're supposed to register your bicycle, but it's not a law to register your bicycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason you would want to register your bicycle if it got stolen, and then the police can return it to you because they have you on file. Yeah. Um. So r- nobody really knows how many people. Use yeah, bicycles. It's, it's hard to say. It's a very iffy statistic. Yeah. You know, but um, I mean, what kind of survey would that be? You know. Are you low income? Yes. Do you ride a bicycle? Well, no. I just uh, <laughs> it's like <I laughs> yeah. mean, most people would be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. It's hard that. to say. Yeah. So I don't know how you would actually find out for sure how many people utilize bicycles as transportation. But yeah, and that's one thing that inverts culturally too. You know, sometimes in the uh, in the upper class cultures, there's more of the sense of of a pride, like, oh, look at me, I'm riding a bicycle because I'm so ecological or, you know, in, in favor of a different lifestyle, whereas in low-income communities, it may be seen as, oh, I don't have enough money to get a car, so yeah. they might not want to talk about it. They sh- they, we should do a flash mob. <laughs> like, remember I talked about the flash mob of the person recycling, and, you know, 200 people or, you know, a bunch of people go, woo! <laughs> yeah. There should be a flash mob of, you know, somebody going by on a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, like, they get cheered when they go know. out on a bicycle. <laughs> they would probably be scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bicycle, yay. <laughs> as long as they, they know we're not mocking them, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. Bicycle use. We waste a lot of energy in this country. Did you realize that? Huh. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> they just... They just released the latest um, nifty chart of America's energy use. And, of course, the majority of it is, um, well, really all of it (laughs) is oil, nuclear, and coal. I mean, we do have a small percentage of renewable energy, but it's honestly, very, quite honestly, I mean, it's so minuscule (laughs) compared to everything. Yeah, locally on the the bills that show how much energy we use, I call it the coal Pac-Man. It's like the the pie chart, and it's got coal use as the majority of the pie chart. So it looks like this giant coal monster that's just eating the other types of energy. What other types? I mean, like <laughs> oh, well, there was nuclear. Some, some nuclear, and then there's the little teeny sliver that's like other. <laughs> yeah, other. Well, they call it other because they if you buy if they buy energy from another utility yeah they don't really know what it is mm-hmm. so it could be coal or nuclear but they don't know yeah <laughs> um i mean amarin locally 
I want to say they're at half of 1% renewables that, that they actually know of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the other that they don't know where it comes from. So the, the, there's really no excuse to the simple fact that we in the United States lose 54% of the energy we generate due to inefficiency and pure wastefulness. <laughs> Part of it has to do with the distance power travels. Yeah. It a- travels on average 150 miles from where it's used to where it's produced. I mean, yeah. the other way around. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people don't know the physics of that, that, you know, like, if you put water through a, a, a thousand mile long tube you're not going to have less water when it gets to the end <laughs> but if you put electricity through a thousand miles of resistance uh you're going to have less <laughs> less power at the end of it well i mean you could use that analogy um you have to have okay let's say it's a hundred miles yeah um basically electricity is the water pressure so if you have a hundred pre- pounds of pressure on this end to push it through that 100-mile pipe at the other end, you're only going to have yeah. you know, 40 pounds of pressure. <laughs> Cause it's, yeah, because of all the okay. distance. <laughs> and so that same thing applies with electricity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the actual power pushing that electricity through the lines, you lose that power going through the lines. And so you could use that comparison. Yeah. And so if you had locally generated power, that would cut out that uh, loss. Right, which is why majority of uh, utilities are going... Pro renewable, yeah, because pro, uh, renewables are what they call distributed generation. It's local power, and it offsets the local use so that it makes it a lot easier for them. I mean, if you save one unit of energy at your house, it's the equivalent of saving almost five units energy at the power plant. Yeah, just because of the energy savings. I mean, the power loss in the lines, etc. So, I mean. It, you might not save very much money at your house, but you'll save a lot of pollution at the other end. Yeah. So, you know, it it does add up a lot. So this is a very real reason why, you know, energy efficiency aficionados like, well, like myself, are constantly making calls to pick those low-hanging fruits of energy efficiency. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, so if you, you know, just... I mean, that's why they say if you replace one incandescent bulb with one compact fluorescent bulb, if everybody in Illinois did that, it would be the equivalent of taking 100,000 cars off the road, pollution-wise. Yeah. (laughs) If everybody in the United States replaced one bulb with one bulb, it would be a million cars off the road, pollution-wise. Yeah. That's one bulb. (laughs) So do you have, I guess what the question comes down to, do you you have the willpower to change a single light bulb? (laughs) (laughs) I think well, I there's do. those jokes. I mean, like, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, what is it? Um, if you're a politician, well, it just takes yourself because the, you just hold your hand up and the world revolves around you. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't think of another. Can you think of another light bulb joke? Yeah, how no, many people many does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> One. Yeah. You. You know? Be more energy efficient, buy a better quality light bulb, save energy, and, you know, you will save some money. Yeah, I mean, they are 25%. At, they use 25% of the energy of an incandescent bulb. And, actually, in our latest newsletter we sent out um, from my company, they are 
actually outlawing incandescent bulbs. Huh. The 100-watt light bulb will be illegal to be manufactured January 1st of 2012. <laughs> it's going to be contraband. Huh? And then the year after, the 75-watt light bulb, and then the year after, the 60 and the 40. So literally within the next three years, they're, ba- they're phasing out the manufacture of them. Now, they'll still be available because, you know, people will still have them in stores, and it's not going to be illegal to use them. <laughs> but once they wear out, which they do very quickly... Mm-hmm. I mean, an incandescent bulb's good for 900 hours. I mean, um... It's not a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, a compact fluorescent bulb, a good one, is 6,000 hours. So, yeah, the incandescent bulbs will wear out pretty quickly. And then, you know, you won't be able to get them anymore. Now, they will probably rebrand some of them as heating elements. Because that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they'll still be used as heating elements in some places. <laughs> um... Now, they can make incandescent bulbs as long as they're a minimum of 30% efficient. And so some of them will come out, but, you know, instead of four for a dollar, they'll be like, you know, more. Yeah. (laughs) But most people will buy them for, you know, as a heating element to put in the well house to keep it from freezing in the winter or some kind of place you need to heat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. We... Oh, you want to talk about Monsanto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Monsanto Cash helped fund a bill to stifle whistleblowers in Iowa. Really? Uh, why? Uh, well, that <laughs> makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, uh, there was a bill in the Iowa legislature that would prevent people from filming inside factory farm operations. And uh, Monsanto was uh, funding... Op- funding. Well, uh, technically that already is illegal. Filming private property. Mm-hmm. So why would they... Ha- fund legislation to oh, yeah well it's it's cuz they want the extra like the the scare tactic you know like uh well because if they put this legislation in place number 1 you can say i was filming this as a whistleblower to show that they were breaking the law right but then if you got this other law additionally saying that that is illegal to do <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. there, there's something that Monsanto is afraid of but they don't want people seeing what's going on uh, in agribusiness these days yep all right Let's try to get through some happenings. Yes. <laughs> Today is Friday the 8th of April. It's April. Today is Hana Masura. I think I said it right. This is a very big festival in Japan. It's the Flower Festival. So. Yes. And Saturday we've got uh, Baby Massage Day. Uh, we've got uh, National Cherish an Antique Day. That does not mean your parents. You can cherish them, but do not call them an antique. <laughs> Sunday is National Siblings Day <laughs> and the Salvation Army Founders Day. And the anniversary of when the safety pin was patented. <laughs> I'll have to call my siblings on Sunday. Uh, Monday is Barbershop Quartet Day. Uh, International Louie Louie Day. (laughs) Tuesday is National Be Kind to Lawyers Day. You can make fun of them today, but Tuesday... (laughs) Tuesday, you gotta be nice. be kind to them. We we gotta be nice to to Paul from Light on the Law. He was just in here sharing some good stuff again. Tuesday is also Walk on Your Wild Side. (laughs) I think being nice to lawyers is walking on your wild side. Yeah. And you can walk on the wild side with your favorite lawyer. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. 
When? <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So Wednesday, Thomas Jefferson Day, because uh, it's his birthday on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday is International Moment of Laughter Day. Come on. I can't even <laughs> give you a whole day. You just get a moment of laughter in the day. Well, it's hard to laugh all day. We can try. Yeah, that would actually really hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, let's see. Um, and Thursday is the anniversary of President Lincoln's assassination. All right. Let's get into some happenings. Um, some regular happenings are every Friday, the International Slow Food Dinner. This week, Tiffany Player and Gaia House Interface Center Director Maureen Pyle will be treating us to Cajun for Mardi Gras. yes. We even have beads and a king cake. It's never too late to party like you're on Bourbon Street. So mm. slow food dinner tonight. Yes. Also, the farmer's market coming up uh, tomorrow. It's on regular happenings now. This is the regular <laughs> happening section. Yes, it's a regularly scheduled happening uh, coming up on Saturday, 8 afternoon, West Town Mall parking lots on the west side of Carbondale. Every Saturday, farmer's market. Get your <laughs> fresh veggies. Fresh veggies. All sorts of goodies. And another regular happening, uh, unfortunately, we still have every Saturday the Vigil for Peace at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. Yeah. The vigil is fortunate, but the lack of peace is uh, unfortunate. Yeah. They're going to keep out there vigiling for peace. All right. New things. Yes. Uh, the uh, World Hunger Sale, the Church Women's United World Hunger Sale, uh, going on at the uh, Newman Catholic Center, uh, Friday and Saturday, the 8th and 9th. That's today and tomorrow. Goes from 12 noon to 6 p.m. today and 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday. And they're having a live auction on Saturday at 10 a.m. featuring antiques, collectibles, and much more. So for more info on that, uh, you can call Margie at 549-7193. And they've got, you know, your typical household goods, but they also have flowers, and there is food available, too, so I like that. So um, I can't decide which I like better, the flowers or the food. <laughs> Next Wednesday, the Gathering Against Sexual Violence at the Student Center Auditorium, Health Auditorium. That's uh, Wednesday, April 6th at 5 p.m. You can join the greater community as they gather to raise awareness of sexual assault and show support for survivors of gender violence. Okay, other happenings we have. Uh, Crossing Cultures, uh, Jean-Baptiste Le Kaskaskia. Uh, Living History Performance by Tony Girard. Uh, this is coming up on Monday at 7 p.m. The Shawnee Audubon chapter of the Illinois Audubon Society invites people to gather around a campfire to go back in time with Jean Baptiste Lacascasquia. Uh, he makes his living as a cur de, bo de bois in the southern part of Illinois country. And he hunts traps and trades with various uh, native groups. And it's a presentation of this at the Trail of Tears State Forest Group Campsite. It's located behind the picnic area south of State Forest Road, east of State Route 127, north of Jonesboro. For all the details, you can call Terry at 618-521-1030. The Cafe Society meeting next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. will meet at Panera Bread, and this week's topic will be Illinois and the future of nuclear energy. Illinois has more reactors than any other state, and about half of its electricity is powered by nuclear plants. 
Why is it important to reassess our use of this form of energy? What f- alternative forms of energy are safe and clean and readily available to us? What can and should we learn from the Japanese disaster? Next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. at the Panera Bread. <laughs> Other happenings up on the green roof. An open house on Thursday, April 14th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Did you know that the, uh, there's a garden on the roof of the College of Agricultural Sciences? Uh, there's all sorts of native flowers and grasses, a carpet of sedium. Lots of good stuff up there. Weather station. Uh, for details, you can email Karen Midden at kmidden at siu.edu. Once again, that's coming up Thursday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the Guy House Interface Center presents this week internationally recognized and certified trainer of nonviolent communication will be visiting Guy House as a trainer in residence all week. What is nonviolent communication? It is simple, learnable, and practical. It can be used to transform conflict into harmony in our everyday lives. And every day next week, from Tuesday through Saturday, there are events. Please contact the Guy House Interface Center at 549-7388 or just show up pretty much every day so and then we want have one thing we want to remind you it's not this saturday but next saturday the bicycle roundup the boys and girls club are collecting bicycles so please get your bicycle ready and give it to them because your bike will be reconditioned and distributed to a needy child yes sounds like a good plan a good thing to do all right any other happenings it is summer yes (laughs) it's it's summer weather out there it's not officially summer yet but it's warming up there's plenty of sunshine out there plenty of fun things to do out there in the wild (laughs) (laughs) you say out there as if it's like a foreign territory yeah well i'm I'm stuck here inside a little square building right now (laughs) and i'm very happy to be here for these 30 minutes but then uh hopefully we'll spend some time outdoors today all right we'll see you out and about boot in a boot (laughs) 